How is everyone doing this morning? It's good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for the invite. It is an honor to be here. Um, beautiful facility, by the way. Just, I oh, love the area. Ask you to bring your volume up. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm sorry. <clears throat> yes, I will do so. <laughs> I will do so. Remind me throughout if my volume goes down. <laughs> So I'm going to share a little bit about my story, uh, and I do want to spend a little bit more time on the last six years of my life and, you know, the planting of the church. Um, but let me just take it way back, um, you know, um, where I was born and when I was born, I guess. So I was born in Eastern Europe. You can probably tell by the accent. Um, Romania, to be more precise. Um, I lived there for about 12 years. Um, and my parents were persecuted throughout the uh, communist regime. Uh, you may be asking yourself, well, you know, what did that look like? Um, from what I remember anyways, or my parents, um, you know, telling me you couldn't be promoted at work. You would, you know, you'd be given odd jobs. Um, you'd be made fun of at school. Actually, that happened to me quite a few times. I remember as a little kid, man, that can really mark you. <laughs> but et cetera. And so my dad had plans to flee the country because of that. And uh, this is circa mid-80s. Um, my, the timeline might be a little fuzzy, so just, you know, bear with me. That's why I have notes, because I just forget. <laughs> so he was successful to flee the country on his second attempt. Um, so he ended up in Canada, out of all places. And that's, I think, um, 1989 or 1988. Now, the rest of us, my mom, uh, my brother, and myself, we, we got reunited with him after a couple of years. So this, this is probably around 1990, 1991. Um, but let me just pinpoint one thing about the little that I remember from Romania. Um, and this is actually one of the values that we have at Summit Church. Um, and, and it's a value of prayer. That's one thing that I learned from my heritage, from, you know, just growing up in a, in a Christian home. Uh, and the way we say it at Summit is prayer is our mindset, kind of the engine that, you know, runs your life and gives you that energy and the source of life. But there's something about not having that much, you know, when you grow up, you know, materially speaking. And also there's something, you know, uh, about being persecuted. Uh, there's a dependence on God that is birth in your life, you know, in a context of ha not having much, being persecuted, and, you know, when all the, or some of the creature comforts are taken away, we definitely pay more attention to God, right? And I'm sure that's the case. We've all tasted that in, in our lives. But I believe C.S. Lewis said it like this, that God whispers in our pleasures and he shouts in our pain. And then he goes on and he says that pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Uh, so prayer was definitely a value in our family, kind of like the engine that keeps us going to focus on Christ, focus on the gospel. So I lived in Canada most of my life, and that's where I grew up. That's where I met the Lord. Um, personally, I was baptized at the age of 13, and just so you know. So I grew up in a Romanian, as I said, Pentecostal Christian home. Now, just let me just explain that. Now, the Romanian Pentecostals are definitely not your American Pentecostals, very different. They are just like the American Baptists, seriously. So you're in good company. Not that I'm considering myself a Pentecostal. No, I'm not. I'm definitely not. I'm a little reform, a reformish, <laughs> if I could say that. 
But anyway, so if you're, but if you were to ask me, how did you know that planting a church was the direction God was calling you? And I'm going to go back, back and forth in history through my 20s and my 30s too. But let me just ask that question and just try to answer that question. I think it's a great question because without a calling from God uh, for this exciting but at the same time difficult and sometimes overwhelming mission, I think we'd be wasting our time, <laughs> you know. And the short answer would be this, you know, heaven split open. I heard an audible voice and God says, said, plant the church in Garden City. I wish it would have been that easy, but no, it's not that easy. It's usually a little trickier than that, um, it started with a prompting, a nudge in my spirit, you know, and um, a few years back, and as Emma, my wife, and I started praying for this, Lord, is this, you know, this feeling, this nudge that we feel, is this for real? Is this, should we, should we heed this nudge, you know? And then different things that happened, uh, you know, making us think, you know, is this, should we, should we give, give this any, you know, <laughs> any serious thought? Um, so, yeah, so we started praying for this. But going back to the Canada uh, days again, as I said earlier, I lived there for most of my life, a city called Kitchener, and I'm going to tie this with the church plan, tie this thought, which is about 45 minutes um, from, from uh, south of Toronto, this city called Kitchener. You may, may have heard of it. Uh, again, like I said, that's where I went to school. That's where I, I got the calling in general for ministry, um, and at the age of 25, I was actually a part of a church plant, another church plant. I wasn't one of the leaders, one of the elders but was actually the worship leader of that group. Um, and I always say that I learned what not to do in church planting. That was very, very helpful. So I always had a love and passion for music. Uh, I was the praise and the worship leader. And then I felt a strong calling um, to really get into the word and, and specifically for preaching, for teaching. Now, making a long story short, a few years after I transitioned to being the youth pastor at that church and Awesome church, awesome people learn a lot um, through those years. But during that time, I had a sense that God was calling, that, was, that God was going to use me for something new. Now, I didn't know exactly when, how, and, and where, but I had that sense, which at that time, I was, I think, neglecting. Now, to be honest with you, I never thought I was going to leave Philadelphia Church. That's the church plant in Canada. Never thought that I would, you know, do church anywhere else. And even when Emma and I, uh, my wife and I, met, which was seven and a half years ago, I never thought God would ever want me, you know, somewhere else. Even Emma, born and raised here in Metro Detroit, Dearborn, to be more precise, thought the same thing. God would never want her to move away. This is it, you know, this is where I'm doing life. This is where I'm, you know, I'm going to have kids. And, and, you know, as we started praying because we knew that one of, you know, one of the hardest decision, decisions we'll have to make is one of us will have to move, or both, right? Um, as we started praying, something happened in my heart, and I got the sense that I should move to Metro Detroit, not knowing what ministry was going to look like on this side. Um, and then maybe, just maybe, this would be the time and the place for that something new that God was nudging me about for all these years. So I moved here right after we, right before we got married, which was the summer of 2017. Now, from that point on, uh, we made a hundred decisions, <laughs> or maybe I should say, prayerful risks. You know, and every time we did that, we just gave it to the Lord, and God opened some doors, closed some doors. But we felt His leading, we felt His hand 
that it was so specific, leading us, you know, towards this, you know, mission, planting a church. A lot of confirmations from the Lord, a lot of confirmations from different people. Um, but yeah, let me, yeah, just as a side note, please be mindful of the source. Look at the fruit in people's lives as you, as they, as they're giving you advice, you know, and direction. Filter through some of that because you definitely will get some, some really twisted advice. Um, anyway, side note, we'll close that side note. So we started with a nudge in my spirit. And as we, we were obedient to that, I think, you know, after many decisions, prayers, it became more and more of a reality. Um, the calling solidified as the journey continued. And I would also say that along the journey, our compassion for the lost, and this is a pretty, pretty big point, our compassion for the lost just skyrocketed. And this just thrusted my faith and my confidence that this is it. You know, I got to do this. Uh, I just got to do this. We were never going to plant the church. We said we were never going to plant the church unless we're about taking the gospel to the community. Unless we're, you know, we're going to share the gospel with everyone that, I, I remember I used to say that, you know, half a mile radius of wherever God is going to plant us, they're going to know who we, are, who we are and what we're about. Like it or not, you're going to know what we're, what we're about. So look, and also looking at the numbers, the stats, the facts, you know, we were burdened for the need that's out there. I remember actually um, learning a stat um, during that time that in our country, there are 5,000 people to a church. Just, you know, just think about that. 5,000 people to a church. And not all churches, as we know, are gospel-centered, Christ-centered churches. So there's a need. There's definitely a need. Additionally, we have a biblical mandate. Matthew 28, right? To go into the world and make disciples of all nations. That too. So looking at the stats, looking at all that, there's a lot of need out there. There's a need of Christ-centered churches. Now, if you were going to ask me, did you have any help in planning the church? Any people, like a core team or a planting church and affiliation? Well, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Praise God for that. Um, maybe we can spend a little bit of time at the end. I'll be done in like 15 minutes, but maybe, you know, just taking some questions. If you guys have any questions, I'd love to be able to, to answer them. But yeah, as I said earlier, I moved here right before we got married. Um, and at that point, we were open for anything when it comes to ministry, as I said. We heard a group of people getting together for some prayer meetings, some Bible study, you know, people from different churches here in Metro Detroit, and a couple actually even from Chicago. So we checked it out. I guess the plan was to see if theologically, relationally, and then philosophically, we would be on the same page. And not just for Bible study, for prayer meetings, but to see if we can actually do a little bit more than that. Different projects, different mission work. For me, that was the, the, a big confirmation from the Lord. Um, you know, this could be it. This could be that, that something new that God was nudging me about for so many years. And as we got to know one another in this, you know, this intimate you know, core team, planning a church became more and more of a reality. So we started with 10 people, Emma and I included. Um, and I'm so grateful that all of them are still with us today. Such a, you know, a praise, uh, praise, you know, such an awesome thing because obviously you would, you know, we went through a lot of ups and downs, right? But they, they stuck it out. And I'm super thankful for that. They're, they're with us, plugged in different ministries. Some of them are leaders. Praise God for that. Additionally, when it comes to, you know, help and support, um, Restore Church in Detroit played a huge role. Um, they, they were our planting church. Uh, 
I would have to say that, you know, the time spent at Restored Church, we were there for about two and a half years, kind of becoming them so that they can, we can be deployed from there. I think that time was crucial, especially for me and actually for the whole, you know, for, for, for the whole team. That's my Canopies church. Yes. Right. Yeah, great guy. Great. Yeah, great church for sure. So after it was clear that we were going to plant, uh, we knew that the only way to do it is if we were going to be planted by, a, you know, a church, an affiliation, someone that could support us, get behind us, keep us accountable, right? Um, so we, so, and this is right before we met. Mike Hanafi, and, and we were at Restore, but we attended a conference. I think it was an Acts 29 conference. Uh, we asked a bunch of questions, some of the leaders there, and they said, you know, just go, go and talk to Pastor Mike Hanafi from Restore and just see what happens, you know. I connected to Mike right away, and interestingly enough, Restore was, and this is very, very interesting. Restore was praying for another group to plant. They had just planted um, Tyler Sinclair, Cornerstone Church. Yeah, we support Tyler. Awesome, awesome. That's awesome. And we were praying for a church to plant us, which was so, so cool. And it's just amazing how God worked, worked for us to just get together and, and, and uh, yeah, and, and, you know, bring us together. So then I started a church planting residency under Mike and the elders at Restore. Uh, and the rest of the core team just got plugged in and, you know, all the praise and worship ministry and security team, and, which was really, really neat to see. It was such an opportunity for me to learn and grow from Mike and the elders at Restore through serving and sometimes just watching them, watching them make decisions and navigate through conflict and all of that. That for me, that was a learning curve for me. I learned so much there. Additionally, at Restore, we were part of a church planting cohort um, called Multiply, a cohort that EFCA, Evangelical Free Church of America, put together. So we were, a few of us from the core team, and the elders are restored. We were going through this cohort. And by the end of it, it was super clear to us that uh, EFCA would get behind us and fully support us as well. So we are an evangelical free church. Um, now, planting a church, and I, I have to talk about this for at least a couple of minutes, in the middle of a pandemic was an obstacle we didn't see coming. Because <laughs> that's what we planted right in the middle of the pandemic. So if you were to ask, how did that affect your plans? What obstacles did you guys face? Well, when the pandemic hit, we actually, we were renting a couple of rooms at the community center in Garden City. We knew right away that we wanted to be a part of the community, get to know the community, you know. Well, they closed down, just like everyone else, uh, when the pandemic hit. So we started doing these, you know, D groups, discipleship groups via Zoom, just like probably, you know, a lot of churches. And that was good, given the fact that we were in the middle of pandemic. That was great. But I tell you, we got zoomed out just really quickly. Now, our plans were to launch our regular services at the beginning of 2021. So this is 2020, summer of 2020. We were, um, you know, we would let people know, hey, listen, we our plan is to launch in the new year. Right. But we didn't have a building. So, you know, let's pray <laughs> that God would provide a building. Uh, we were hoping to rent out one of the bigger rooms at the community center. That, that was our plan, but they said, no, we're in the middle of a pandemic. That can't be possible. I was kind of bummed out. Uh, I mean, we were cutting it close. We had about two and a half months at this point, and the year was coming to a close. So, yeah, cutting it close. Also, we had just finished having these park church services for the season. And I remember, I think it was the very last Sunday we were at the park. And uh, I got to the park a little bit earlier to set up, and I met a few guys there. They were doing, I think they were there for a prayer meeting, a Bible study, 
think from Miriam Baptist Church. Anyways, got talking to them. I shared, I shared with them our story, our journey. And they tell me there's this vacant church building just down the road. Go check it out. It's like, okay, all right. <laughs> so the next day I do some research. Uh, and there's nothing on it. I drove by the building. It looked great. Like this is, you know, too, too good to be true. Kind of, there's, no, there's no number to call, no one there. Um, the following day, I started doing some more digging, and finally I, found, I find some information on it because they had just put it on the market that morning. I talked to the agent. I go see it that same day with Pastor Mike Hennefee. We find out that there are two other offers on it, and they, they needed to make a decision by the end of the following day. So we prayed. We were like, love at first sight, Right. We got the green light from the Lord, we thought. You know, we put an offer on it, and they accepted our offer within 24 hours. For us, it's just like, boom. We were blown away at how miraculously God worked, and the timing couldn't have been any better. Just, just really, 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 really neat. I would have never thought to have our own building before we, you know, launched our Sunday services, but God provides, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Now, if you were to ask me, What's something you've learned about yourself as part of this church planting journey? Oh, many, many things, that's for sure. And I'm still learning a lot about myself. <laughs> but I learned that this is God's mission and story. It's not mine. It's not mine. And, and I'm just graciously invited in to come along, uh, you know, for the ride. And that just relieves me of all the stress, all the, all the anxiety and the pressure in the world. And I think that you know, uh, because of this exciting, but at the same time, overwhelming and difficult journey, you know, of church planting with all the emotional load that you have to deal with, there are definitely areas of your heart that are exposed, and mine were also. Um, I don't think anxiety and stress were necessarily a part of, a problem for me, uh, and I'm going to touch a little bit on that at the service. Um, we all deal with it to some extent, stress and anxiety, uh, but it, anxiety definitely started to surface in my heart right from the beginning, you know. And so one of the things that I learned and that I'm not above, you know, I'm not exempt <laughs> from being paralyzed by anxiety and stress or at least affected by it. Well, not the way I thought I was, but there's a good that can come out of that. Um, we're forced to depend on God. We're forced to go before the Lord. I will never forget what one pastor said once, that one of the greatest things that we carry with us throughout our life is our intimacy with the Lord. That's the greatest thing. Because I believe that you live out of your intimacy with the Lord. Everything, you live out of that. And a healthy intimacy with the Lord means a healthy life. You know, there's a I, I say it like this, that there's always, there's a close relationship between my ability to love my wife as God wants me to love my wife and my prayer life. There's a close relationship there. There's a close relationship between, you know, my ability to not, to not be paralyzed and gripped by fear and anxiety and, and me communing and fellowshipping with God, being in prayer and being in the word. There's definitely a close relationship there. There was another big thing that I learned about myself and if I can be honest with you, I was always a bit of a people pleaser. Um, but through this journey, it really came out at the beginning. And the way I like to say it is that I'm triple nice. I'm triple nice because my personality kind of lands itself being nice. And then I'm Canadian. 
That's double nice. And then I'm Christian. You kind of have to be nice. So triple nice, right? Now, the American in me kind of canceled the Canadian part out, so I'm just double nice now, right? Because that happens. I learned quickly to not be as nice. <laughs> but I realized this is going to be a problem. This is going to be a problem. And I, I, so I started to learn, and I'm still learning, <laughs> that you can't let praise or criticism get to you. You just can't. You cannot. It's actually a weakness to, to get caught up in either or. Uh, I have this saying that I, that I use a lot that I love, and I, and I say this. I even just, just say it out loud so I can hear it. Like, a water, off a, like water off a duck's back. Just let it go. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to praise, I guess let it do what it's supposed to do. Encourage you, lift you up, but then just let it go. Let it go. It's not, it's not a good source of food for your soul. And criticism the same. It's, it's going to happen. It'll happen, you know. Just let it go. But make sure you are connected to the vine. I think that's the point. Make sure that you're plugged in to the right source, the vine, which is Christ. And I'm referring again to communing with God and being in the Word, being in prayer. Anyways, let me just kind of summarize, um, and then we can maybe get to some questions. Um, listen to this interesting quote. It takes a wise and a spirit-led person to realize what God does not want them to do. Now, this could relate, you know, to something personal, what I'm going to say. Maybe God is calling you to a new ministry. Maybe, you know, within the church, there's a position of leadership and the elders approach you. Hey, you know, what do you think? And you're thinking about it, praying about it, or maybe even outside the church, God is calling you to something new. Maybe even at the church level, the elders are thinking of implementing a new ministry, new, you know, uh, maybe you want to be more present in the community in, in some way. This is the advice that I would give you. Make sure that this is what God wants you to do. Now, we can never be 100% sure. Like, we realize that. We're realistic about that. And I think the, the bigger the ministry, the more you need to be assured that this is something God wants you to, to, to do. If, if your journey is anything like mine, and it starts with a nudging from the Holy Spirit, you know, make sure you don't jump the gun. I guess that's what I'm saying. Slow and steady wins the race. Uh, and, and then it goes without saying, but just seek the Lord in and, 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 and prayer and stay there a while. That's probably the, 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 the greatest piece of advice that I, that I got from, from a pastor. Just, just be in prayer and stay there a while. And then be obedient and faithful with every decision that you make. The Lord will definitely, most likely, allow some opposition in this journey uh, in your life just to see how you're going to react and what you're going to do. That's not for Him to find out because you'll know. He's not taken by any, by any, He's not taken by surprise. But that's just for us to find out, to find out what's really in our hearts. Because if God is going to do anything with us, if he's going to have us start something new or it's a new calling or he's going to definitely change some stuff in our heart. He's definitely going to want to grow us a little bit. And to be honest with you, this process is absolutely vital, absolutely vital. So don't be impulsive. And when it gets tough, remind yourself that God is faithful, faithful. And then we, we must learn how to depend on this faithful God. I mean, I love what Jesus, this is, I think this is Pastor Mike's, Mike, Mike Hennefy's verse too and just, you know, Kind of trickle down. It's my my favorite verse too. That Jesus is gonna he's gonna build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a guarantee. So that's it. Um,
I kind of left the last three years of, you know, kind of open. And if you guys have any questions, I'd love to be able to answer. I know that Emma was going to make her way in with the kiddos. Our kiddos are four and two. The little one is very clingy, so she's kind of avoiding uh, creating a distraction for all of us here. So I don't know if she's going to come in, but yeah. So what, when was, did you, did you start that at the beginning of 21, was it? So beginning of 20, yeah, 2021, we had a soft launch for Christmas, a Christmas of 2020. But then we, you know, our regular Sunday services started at the very beginning of 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was fun because, you know, again, right in the middle of the pandemic, but a lot of people showed up. We wanted to be cautious about that, too. Like, he was, you know, I think it was, well, it wasn't the beginning of the pandemic, but nevertheless, we wanted to be cautious and protect people. And, but we were definitely encouraged by how many people showed up, at least for the soft launch, just, you know, giving us the support and kind of being there for us. Yeah. Yeah. How many attenders do you have now? Yeah, so we started with 10. Okay. I would say if you count the kids, about 75, 80, which is really, I mean, <laughs> that's so encouraging. You know how I think of uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, right? And, and I think Jeremiah, he's, he, he preached the word, he prophesied his whole life. He was called for that. But I don't think he saw any result in his life. But he kept on doing it faithfully. And that for me was like, that's God, but God, you were so gracious to allow us to see results. Like, you know, that, you know, the core team and all of us go, you know, grown deeper in a relationship with, with the Lord and then just growing numerically to that. That for I was like, wow, this is so neat. This is so cool. So, yeah, very encouraged by that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very familiar with Garden City. Yeah. What, um, what's Garden City like? Yeah. Like People wise. And how is that reflected in your? Yeah. That's a great question. Um. It is a blue-collar community. is pretty tiny. I think um, now I think we're looking at I think 25,000 people, so pretty, pretty small. It is surrounded by Livonia North, East. We have Dearborn, and then we have Wayne, um, and we have Westland on the west. Um, it, is, it is a very um, tough to break, Candle, or tough to, to, to be a part of community. If you're not, if you haven't been there, I mean, these are families that have been there for for generations. So I remember even uh, the year before we were out at the park, just, you know, even on the street at times, just going and just taking walks and wanting to talk to people and see how they, they are. It was very tough to, I don't know, just very territorial, I think. And actually, one of this reminds me, before we launched, I actually, that, so 2020, I called every evangelical church in, in Garden City. I think I, I, I called 13 churches or at least 13 numbers. I think just one church called me back. And just, I just wanted to say, hey, we're a new church plan. We'd love to, you know, partner up with you guys, you know, just learn from you. So territorial, unbelievable. I was like, wow. <laughs> not only the people in Garden City, but the churches. Now, again, that's, I'm not saying, I mean, if, I'm sure there's some great churches. I mean, Miriam Baptist is a great church, right? I think they're the only ones I called back. But, uh, but yeah, um, as a demographic, I think young families, believe it or not, with uh, small children, that, and that's exactly our demographic at Summit, young families with small children. Super encouraged by that. You don't necessarily see that, so I, I love seeing kids here. And just, I mean, you know, you, you come to Summit and it's just, it is loud. <laughs> now, obviously, they're, they're in Sunday school and kids ministry as we have the service, but before and after, just, yeah, it's, it's pretty loud. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think one thing that Detroit areas, the automotive, have people here for a long time. Um, my grandfather came from Europe to work at Dodge, and my uncles, and, and people would stay in this area, which is kind of uncommon if you go to other cities around the country, like mm. L.A. or whatever. Sure. It's hard to find people that are L.A. people, or Dallas, or whatever. Yeah. They're all from other areas. Oh. Detroit is, was unique in that mm. sense, this area. Yeah. I don't think, um, well, because we're, we're still in Metro Detroit with Garden City too, I don't think it's that different than Detroit. It is and it is not. I, I, I call it for some reason, and don't ask me why necessarily, a second Detroit. But it's a very poor area. Like our, one, of the, one of the bigger struggles that we have is, is mental health. And that's what I want to touch on in, in, in our service too. We have at least six, seven cases that are very, very intense cases of intense case of mental health. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm not prepared for this. Like, what do we do? How do we handle this? Because that's kind of it seems that that's that's going to be our struggle, you know. But we've learned in, in a lot of churches and a lot of other ministries got around us because we asked for help. How do we deal with this? What, what do we do? But it's definitely one of our struggles, too. Yeah, it's as a second Detroit, if I can call that. But yeah, I think there was a question at the back. I was yeah. just going to ask you what nationalities are in the pot. Yeah, I think a lot of Polish. Mm-hmm. Polish is there for sure. Um, yeah. A little Spanish, I think too. That's kind of that's kind of it. Yeah, from what I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And how did? How did you pick Garden City? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, one of the so many slices of the pie, I guess, when it comes to answering that question. But one of them was all of us from the core team. We were pretty much we lived surrounding Garden City, mm-hmm. like a few of us from Livonia, a few from Dearborn, a few from Less. And I was like, "How about Garden City? It's right in the middle." <laughs> and as you, we, we, I, someone got a nudge like, "How about Garden City?" And I think, yeah, and I think that's the time when I actually called all the all the churches in Garden City. Not not too much response, not too much love. Okay, this seems like a pretty good area. So as we started praying for Garden City, it just became more and more. I, I think this is it. And then we just started, you know, uh, just walking on the street, just spending a few hours every week, just talking to people and. And we just, it just felt like that solidified and that, okay, I think this is it. And then we pulled the plug and it felt great. But, you know, some other, answer, some other answers in there too. But that was one big one for sure. That's how it started, yeah. So you had said that um, if you were going to plant a church, you wanted to take the gospel to yeah. that area, you know. Yeah. So how, how have mm. you done that? What, what's been your community interactions sure. you know, from the start? Yeah. Uh, so we continued having those park services every year. So we did the year before, the summer before. Every time we had those park services, we had a baptism, at least one baptism at the end of that, that's, that season. It was just incredible. Even this year, and we had five people that, that got baptized from the park services. So for us, it was such a, okay, we're going we're gonna to stick to doing this because <laughs> it works, you know. Again, the forms, open hand, change the forms. But it's just, it feels like God is calling us to have these park services and being there. 
So we, we put a lot of effort into them. We have about six or seven. Uh, so it's quite a bit of work, you know. Um, another one was we, um, there's a family center called Samaritas in Wayne. It's like literally five minutes from the church. We still call it, it's in Garden City. <laughs> we've just plugged in. We, we went there once to visit. Um, and then we've been helping ever since. I think this was going back three years ago. Um, and even now we have a, a, a transportation ministry where, you know, we have just guys taking turns, just bringing people from that family center to, to the church. And they're like a few families now. Two families that actually all of them, all the members got baptized and got plugged in the church. So that was another way of actually doing it practically in the community. We have these poetry nights. I know it's kind of weird for Garden City. That's more of a Detroit thing. And that's why I call it that's the second Detroit. We have the gentle, this gentleman at church, uh, Chris Townsend, and he's very, very talented. And he's, he's plugged in in the... The, I guess what should I call it? You know, he he knows pretty much all the all the artists and the poets in Detroit. Like he's just he that's that's what he does. That's what he did. You know, so we kind of brought the, a little bit of that. We have we have them quarterly at our church. It, it would be on a Saturday night. Um, we'll have different themes. You know, we'll do we'll do it for uh, Valentine's Day. We'll call it a you know, uh, you know, a theme for marriage or love or whatever. But so. And then we'll bring some of these artists to, to you know, to just, whatever, to, to do their thing. But we'll, we always preach the gospel. I will always preach the gospel and make sure it's not just, because we actually were intentional about bringing people that are not that Christian either, but we want to filter through what they say. Sure. And this could be a risk. I, I understand. But we do filter through their poetry before. Okay, you, you can go. You can, you know. But then we always want to make sure that, uh, the gospel is being preached. So I'll, I'll just do a message, 10 minutes, and just make sure that the gospel is preached and everyone. But we, so even this way, we've connected to so many people from Detroit, people that are just completely broken and via this, this you know, uh, this way as well. So those are at least three avenues that we've, we've done that, yeah. yeah good. Other questions? Thank you for the questions, by the way. That makes me feel... You know, I, I loved. You say yeah. from Romania? Romania, yeah, originally, yeah. Were you born in Romania? I was born, yeah. And you I lived there. lived there. Yeah, for 12 years. First 12 years of my life, yeah. And then came to Canada. Came to Canada, lived there for about 27, 28 years, and then moved here about seven years ago. So. You know, How old are you? Yeah. I'm like six, no, 45. <laughs> I'm 45, yeah. <laughs> Maybe my math is off, but. Not, not with my age, but with that. <laughs> Actually, I was, I think last year when I turned 44, I was, I thought I was like 42. And then my wife was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're 44. <laughs> yes. That's a Baltic country, is that right? Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm so unfamiliar with that sure. part of the world. I, you know, it was one thing I, I don't think we ever really, I don't mm. remember studying that. Yeah. School, so. It's Baltic, but at the same time, the language and some of the culture is very Latin. So we have a lot from, you know, the Italian language and the Spanish. I'll, I'll, I mean, not that I speak, I still speak it to some extent. I'll, you know, I'll need a dictionary if I want to have a full-on conversation, but... Uh, but definitely has some Latin in there, some Latin culture in there. Is, is that like, um, for religion and stuff, is that like Eastern Orthodox? Yes, Catholic? yeah, Orthodox, 100%. Okay. Yeah, uh, not so much Catholic, 
a lot of evangelicals in the last 30 years, for sure, that's been just booming. A lot of Pentecostal, like I said, but Pentecostals are more like, they're like Pentecostals here. They're like Baptists here for sure. Yeah, with just minor theological differences, yeah. Is it a uh, beautiful country? I mean, it is. I, I visited twice since since then, um, just for a quick two, three weeks. I think Emma's, my wife is like, let's take our kids. I'm like, sure, sure, <laughs> you know. But it's a beautiful country. It is a beautiful, very corrupt, very corrupt um, I mean, they, they're changing the government every oh, okay. two, three years from what I hear. My dad keeps me up to date with all that. I have no clue. You probably know as much as I do, <laughs> but my dad keeps me up with all the news there. But yeah, very corrupt in that sense. Like, yeah, people will just, yeah. So, oh, yeah. You said that your father um, went to Canada and you stayed back with your family for a couple of years. Yeah. How did you, how did you manage without your father being there? Whew. That, you, you're being persecuted. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That that would be a great question for my mom. I was again a little kid, but from what I remember, I, I mean, again, I didn't at the time I was like, you know, deer in the headlights. What do I know? I'm just a kid. But now, when I think back, back, and I, I'll ask my mom, I'll have conversations like, Mom, how was I mean, being away from dad for two years and just you know, single mom of these two boys and. Uh, it was definitely tough. I remember that my mom was, I mean, the persecution intensified a little bit since my dad left. Everyone, I mean, the, the communists, they knew the, the context, you know what I mean? So that intensified for sure for my mom at work, 100%. Yeah. I think we took the last year off from school just so we're kind of like mitigating some of the suffering and some of the pain. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, you know, I'm going to, you know, physically abuse you sort of a persecution, but it was a, a, a pretty like low level but consistent, you know, knowing at you all the time. So it wasn't like, you know, you're brought on the street and, you know, they would just shoot you or anything like that. But in some parts of it, yeah, you would hear horror stories like that for sure. Like my grandparents have some 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 horrific stories that, that they can share, yeah. That's good. Well we should probably wrap it yes. up there. Yes. Um, thank you always. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys.